Hi, Sandy here with and Al, Al Curtis. Conversations yeah. with Ask the Pool Guy. So we had an interesting thing this week. We had one of our customers that we've had a lot of interaction with make the comment, and I don't know, maybe you can describe how she was asking how to create culture, or, or what was the specific question well, that she had that I think is well worth us discussing? I think the genre of the question is, she sees our pool company and how we're so fun and dynamic and there's complete buy-in from any, everybody on our team. We all love what we are doing, we kind of become this extended pool family. And she was wondering if it's possible to create that in an environment where oh, that, people that are isn't unrelated. All yeah, that, that it isn't all family. So I of. think that's that's kind of what she was getting at, okay. and I don't know. Um, so, so her her question was: Is there a way of creating that without it being directly related or family? Yeah. I'm going to make a pretty bold statement and say it's probably easier to do if it's not family. Because how many people, do you, how many times do you hear people say, well, I could never work with my family? Because that family dynamic creates a whole bunch of other junk that, that adds to the challenge with creating these types of relationships. So I, my guess would be we're really fortunate that we've been able to create the culture to be able to create it within our family dynamic. But I would imagine that it's probably easier to have it be unrelated people bringing together to create a tribe in another way. Ron, would you get rid of Penny? Yeah. That's going to, go. the microphone's going to pick, pick up her squeaking. Just kind of closer in that other door there. I'm going to actually check and make sure I turn the top on. I did. Good. So we do. Okay. Well, my perspective on that is we really already have done that although it wasn't in a business per se, because we talk about this um, marketing clubhouse entrepreneur center that we created that people mm -hmm. listening to the podcast may have heard of called the Insights Group, and that was a small business support center. So you could, the, the easiest box to put it in would be something like a chamber of commerce and yet nothing like a chamber of commerce at the same time. We created this community through our interactions with everybody and it really developed into a family. It became a family. It yeah. very much yeah. is a family mm -hmm. and it's not only business people that are unrelated but mm -hmm. many different types of businesses from all different genres of companies. So let's step back to that and say, ask her question saying can a non-family dynamic create this relationship you're saying yes because we proved it by it wasn't our company but it was our business yeah. to create those relationships with people yeah. through the insights group what do you think that took I mean knowing that we experienced it together and and recognizing that we had this big why we were doing it we really didn't know what we were doing we didn't know how we were doing it we just knew that we were supposed to somehow and the the net result of us doing what we were doing and being what we were being created this really neat unrelated family of people that created what what's considered the insights group so what were some of the magical pieces or what were some of the things that then we could translate that we did use in the pool business later but to help her understand 
kind of that we've done it before without our families, meaning our biological families. We've done it with with the business community. How did we do it there, and then how did we translate it into the pool company? The very first thing that we did was thought so far outside of the realm of any like normal thoughts. If you've ever been to our office, you've probably noticed it is bright, it is bold, it is eclectic. We started with a philosophy of anything normal wasn't normal anymore, and the odd and the intriguing and the surprising became normal. So when we first started, Let's we, tell that story. Let's kind, kind of tell of, yeah, that, that we, whole genre thing that happened. So the way the Insights Group happened is that Al and I were involved um, in the pool business. Basically, Al had owned the company, the pool company, for a very long time. Through a series of synchronistic events, I was introduced to the pool company. actually had plans to buy out a portion of it with um, someone in my past life. That didn't end up happening. So Al and I decided to become partners in the pool company. That was about the same time that Al was not loving it as much. Mm -hmm. My prior history was in real estate, so it was the perfect time to sell the building of the retail location and kind of revamp the way that the else. business could happen. Mm -hmm. And part of the revamp was that Al and I were both looking for something other than pools. To take us into, like, kind of a new chapter of life, some new opportunities, and something. I think part of the reason that the Insights Group was born is because you wanted something other than pools, and it was almost a way of developing a different legacy. Mm -hmm. Let me let me start stop there, or, or kind of jump in there. I can look back to those period of times leading up to that, and recognizing I had been done doing pools for so long, and. The, the year before Insights was born was a really difficult year for me. It was just a series of events that happened, and I, I could never explain. I could never put a finger on how the business did what it did, but we were a company that was making money. That year, we lost multiple six figures of money in terms of I had, I had a, to try to prop the company up as the economy was changing. I was spending all of my personal income in in trying to prop up and make right and do these things. And I, and I think that particular of the year, we had a flip of dollar dollars to go from positive to the opposite of like $250,000 in terms of evaporation of money from savings from all of that to try to prop the company to keep it going. And I know through all of that, I was I was burning out, and I was losing my zest for it because all of a sudden, all of what I'd worked for was literally weeping out of my pockets. And I, I remember spending money that I should never put back into the company. We should I should never have done it. I should have kept it personal, but I didn't because I believed enough in the company, even though my it was tearing my heart out. And I do know that year we just had synchronicity, whatever you want to call it, all of these. Not on a positive, I mean, ultimately they're positive, but in the moment they sure didn't feel good. All these things happened that literally flipped me upside down. And I went from being a, a really cash positive company to where am I? I'm left with this, this sucking feeling of it drew everything out of me. Well, in the interim of that, I'm, I was struggling with that, and I know we were partnering and trying to figure it out. 
and I was I was reflecting back. I know this is my part of the story that I was reflecting back to when I had gotten started. I had no support system. I had no ability to go to anyone in the industry to say, "Hey, I'm, I've got to struggle. How can I how can I fix this?" And and that's at that point because I was struggling so much again. I wanted to reach out and help other people with the struggle, the same struggles that I was going through. And to me, that was a birth of insights. Now, your story is probably a little bit different, but we saw it together that how could we build a support community to help businesses out. We happened to stumble into this idea of co-working, which in those days was unheard of. I think at that point we, we were, were the, one of the first 15 yeah, in the world yeah. of co-working facilities that we built out without knowing so much that so we that didn't, we didn't know what to call we it we had no idea and then we were reading about co-working facilities in books and it, it was being predicted wasn't it we yep. just built that yep it was that christmas that i i got a book for christmas and in there this economist was saying yeah what you'll see in the near future is is these these co-working facilities where you'll smell coffee and you'll feel like you're at home and and yet it's a working environment that's, sh that's a shared space I remember setting that book down after I read that going, we just built that and we don't even know what we're going to do with it yet yeah. because we were planning on launching just after Christmas. Yeah. And and yet we were one of the first ones to market on that and today there's like 15,000 yeah. co-working facilities. That's a norm. We were way ahead of it, didn't even know what we'd stumbled into. Yeah. But that started sort of this free thinking and this idea of creating an eclectic and interesting place which... We know that our story was, I was coming off from my from a personal standpoint, coming off of a very financially difficult year that I had seen everything I felt like I had worked for evaporate in front of me, and now we're building this facility and we had no funds, we had no, you know, I mean that story in itself is pretty incredible that we had, so, we had yeah, no reserves, we had no but no business idea how to make money. So here's the magical part of this, and here's part of the timeline. So Al comes off of a year where his business flips upside down. I had decided I didn't know if pools were my thing forever. and Which was a good reason after seeing all of that. Anything else to be able to do. So we decided what should we do. Well, obviously we should sign a six-figure lease for a 6,000 square foot building. And then we should do something with it. And then we should build it out and figure out what to do with it. So that was exactly how it happened. We found a building, signed a lease, painted and decorated with zero budget, with oops paint and with furniture from auctions. We creatively decorated this place so much so that the first time one of our friends had come in there, he looked around and thought we had dropped the a half a million of thousands dollars, of dollars yep. in decorating and we're chuckling in the background knowing that, uh, what do we spend? Nothing. I mean, nothing. I, think about it. We had. Maybe? We went to every. I, I know that I took a tour and I went to every Home Depot and every Lowe's that I could find and bought those five dollar cans of Oops paints because that's how we could fund it. We had no money to build build it out with all brand new anything, and yet we built out offices. We painted them. You know, we we this used is the 6, talents. Six hundred square feet. We used the talents that we had to paint murals on walls and whitewash walls and, and create this look. And I know the one section that we created like a, it was almost like you're in a marketplace with, with buildings. Dumpster we painted diving for doors. Dumpster diving for stuff. We, we certainly did that. We painted the whole end so it looked like a street scene and each of the rooms into our offices were different buildings along the way and created that look. And it was done with, with pure 
creativity, not with money. it was done over one month. Over we, It was crazy to think yeah. that we did that and filled it with furniture and then filled the rest. That main room was several thousand square feet that was all done and all of the ancillary rooms and everything in, yeah. in no time. And the, I remember thinking about all of that going, as we sat there, back the story up just a minute, when we decided to sign on the lease, I remember we walked into that building and it was a grungy, dirty, it had been a, a tool, tool place, house. a tool supply house, and there was greasy piles of tools still left all over the place. And we sat there as it was getting dark, there was no electricity, no power in the building. And we sat there as the sun was going down and we're sitting under the windows looking at it saying, I think we should do this with no idea what it was going to be and no idea how to make money, no revenue stream, no idea what it was even imagining what it would be and we said let's do it and signed a six figure lease six figure three-year lease yeah. six figure three-year lease yeah and i we had a month to uh month to build it out and paint so, it and get it ready so we should now bring in how we developed this whole atmosphere family so mm -hmm. the game plan was that we didn't have one but we knew that we wanted to have meetings. A desire. We had this desire. Yeah, we yeah. wanted to have meetings where we could bring people together and hopefully inspire them and get them zesty about their future and their business. And that's pretty much the entire plan that we had. And the way that we thought we would make money with this was by charging people a membership to come to the meetings. So you kind of sign up for a membership and then you could participate in everything that was on the calendar. Mm -hmm. So we launched and had the first meeting and eight people showed up and I think five or six were friends five or six of them we knew and then there was a couple new people there and we had our kind of discussions and we did our thing and people were scratching their heads and they weren't quite sure what it was what about is this place? and because Al and I are both determined we did it again and we did it again and we started using the internet to put the calendar together. I know we had tried to write up some press releases, but we didn't have any media contacts, so we pretty much just shared them grassroots with people that we knew, and we asked people to share. And I didn't even have Facebook at that time. No. No, we started, and you had a Facebook account. I didn't even know what it was, I other than this thing. I think what we, well, we started there somewhere, LinkedIn or something, early I, on. I think, yeah, mm -hmm. LinkedIn might have been the very first one. And then we, yeah, used email, we used our contacts that we had, and we just kind of started growing it. And what we were planning on doing was having, like, Monday meetings every week, so there would be a time slot that you could expect meetings. And as we started putting things together, we started noticing what drew people. And we repeated this over and over and over again. As you, as you were saying, we had meetings over and over and over, and we paid attention to what worked and what didn't. And... How many times was it just me and you in the meeting when no one showed up? Or maybe one person showed up. And we gave as much in those meetings as we did when there was a room full because we realized the value of any one person. And the net result is some of those meetings with two and three and four people were the most productive, the most amazing, most inspiring. They kicked us in our butts to decide to go out and do more and to try more and do all of that. But we never let that stop us. We never, we never let no one showing up be a reason to not do it again. We just continue to do it. So the meetings that we did were really discussion based on philosophy and what we did was we learned about each person there, what their business was, what some of the things that they were looking to do were and we did spend a lot of time 
talking about insights. We had named it insights because that's what we hoped people would glean from coming and participating. And through the process and the way that we told the story, so many people said, I'm in, what can I do to help? So much so that we never had any official office staff at this 6,000 square foot facility. We had people because we developed and fostered these relationships where we were fun, we thought different ways. Um, I would have business people in suits on the floor playing Duck Duck Goose, like it was just crazy cool stuff. We created this sense of community and we didn't pay anybody for cleaning, they volunteered. We didn't pay anybody to man the front desk, people volunteered. We would have events and we would host, you know, 150 people in with food that was completely donated and people volunteering to greet people at the door and it was just such a magical like it was it was kind of heart-wrenching and painful at the time that we did it but magic. at the same time it was magical and community building and completely awesome and the bonds that everybody formed um, we we really worked I think on the psychology with people but they didn't necessarily know it so we'd have these meetings people would get fired up we were building the community and we did a lot of things to like pull inclusion we had a lot of games we had a lot of mixers um, we did things where we put like committees volunteer committees together to help you know with the clubhouse kind of like a board of advisors um, and then we called the participants enthusiasts we did a lot of brainstorming over well we don't want to call them members and we don't want to call them clients so we called everybody enthusiasts and we had name tags printed up again I think mostly donated from one of our enthusiasts mm -hmm. so that people felt like they were a part of this community and we had insurance agents and artists and jewelry makers side by side with financial planners and consultants and engineer um, types and dentists and just like this mm -hmm. whole plethora of people that came together for these meetings with a common bond called enthusiasts and with those enthusiasts we were able to move some mountains and do some pretty incredible things i think it's so much of that as i as you're talking i'm trying to reflect back i was back in those times and realized that we really set ourselves aside and i don't know why but it wasn't about you and i it was about them and it was so about them and everything we did that we gave all of it every day we gave everything that we had to everybody uh, mentally physically emotionally and the net result was that community that sense of belonging that sense of a tribe that sense of I feel good here because people care well we were the ones that had to care the most in the room because that's just who we were but the net result was everybody started caring and then everybody was looking out for each other and not only that we pushed everyone's boundaries in, including our own we were all about personal growth we were all about growing as a as a person as a being as a spiritual being as well as pushing others into that so you're talking about putting guys in suits on the floor playing duck duck goose or having everyone get markers and paint on the walls to all of those crazy meetings we did broke people of those boundaries that they had set for themselves and those those straps that they had locked themselves into life we kind of let them go they could come to our place this magical place it was eclectic and fun and weird and not have to be normal 
And the net result was it became our normal. Mm -hmm. And the world, once we stepped out of that, wasn't normal anymore. We were the normal ones. One year into it, we had our first year anniversary, and you said there were eight people at the first meeting. We packed that main room. I think there were 108 people at our one-year anniversary. And from there, again, when I think about the impact and the people that were clamoring to be a part of it, and, and it was tough because it was us giving all the time, but I think what that did was that set us apart and helped us realize that we can create community by nurturing in an environment to yeah. create community. Yeah. And that's where that basis for the pool company came from because when we finally looked at the reinvent of what the pool company could look like, I know that was a huge piece of it, that it needs to be a community yeah. that feels really good or why do it again? Yeah. We'd already done it before and it felt awful to do, but it made money, but why not make it feel really good and have it yeah. make money? Well, and those bonds, I'm trying to figure out how to put into words what some of those bonds and relationships mean. It means when one of our members had to move, we sent out an email and we said, look, guys, show up with your trucks. He's got to move, and we're looking for helpers. So 15 trucks converged on this house. And an hour later, and all the stuff was moved. An hour later, everything was moved to yep. where it needed to be. Yep. And that kind of thing happened over and over. It was all about people saying, I love how I feel when I'm around these people. Anytime that they had any skills or abilities, you know, we had a woman who was a cake maker. She made cakes for everything for us. Um, we had somebody else who was a Jill of all trades and anytime we needed anything she came up with creative ideas to help with that. Um, I have a story that I have part to of, tell. As part of the money making we started doing social media training and classes. Only and because people wanted only because that's us to what do people it. Wanted yeah. as, and that was a way to help you know keep the doors open for this community and I had a volunteer catering crew that would, you know, we put up the money for the food, they prepared it, they put it together, they set it up, they cleaned up afterwards. Like, it was just complete buy-in from people they, giving, giving, giving. They came to all of the events. When we would go to an event and have a booth to promote us, they would all come promote and promote the us. And they were, group, yeah, they would come and they would talk about insights. And then as almost an afterthought, oh, by the way, I'm a photographer. Or mm, I would do this, this or I'd do that. Yeah. I, I was thinking as you were telling the story, uh, you were telling one of your stories a minute ago of, oh, about the moving thing, was one of the most profound stories to me was when a, a childhood friend of mine had come into some of our meetings and he mentioned that he was that he was adopting a few children from Russia and that they were going a few two, two boys two, two boys from Russia and that they were going two days later to Russia and they wish they had thought about it ahead of time and asked people to donate shoes because in the orphanages in Russia there were never to choose for the children's feet and these one of the two little boys or both of the little boys that they were adopting had little girls shoes on the last time they had visited. And so he's telling the stories we're in the meeting and Sandy disappeared. And I, I just instinctually knew what she was doing. And he said, you know, I, I really wish that we had done this. Boy, I, you know, hindsight being what it is. And I looked at him, I said, just wait. And after the meeting, we went to Sandy's office and she was there. What she had done is she put out a call to action 
saying, we need shoes, children's shoes donated. We have someone in a day leaving for Russia to, to go to these orphanages and we would love to send some shoes. And we had people, we had set up a, you had, you had said, the, the front door will be open, there'll be a box there, put the shoes there. And I, we had people run to the stores, buy new shoes, dig through their shoes, and I think by the next morning or the next afternoon, there was, what, 168 pairs, pairs of, of, shoes. of kids' shoes or something there. Yeah. And this guy was absolutely blown away, and he packed duffel bags of a shoes. Hockey, like a, a hockey, like a hockey gear bag. They asked him when he got to Russia, to the orphanage, how, How did, did he get these there? Because it was also hard. Like if once you somebody got customs, they shipped took them. something there, mm -hmm. they would take them. And they asked him, "How did you get these here?" And he said, "It was my carry-on. I just he, he carried just a hockey, hockey bag, bag full, of shoes. They, full of shoes. They couldn't believe that he'd gotten into the orphanage because what what we heard later was they would typically take them at customs and then they would go to wherever they wanted them to go. Versus this one directly to that orphanage. But that was a great example of." community and you call out to a community but it really gets back to you nurturing the people to hear your message and because you nurtured, cared enough we we nurtured we, we, nurtured, we cared enough we loved on people when they weren't lovable and we cared so much and we gave so much that we became better as a result of it i mean it was it was all about us growing to be better people and challenging ourselves to be better and to grow personally and to grow professionally and to study. So studying personalities and face reading and the psychology and of course social media which we end up in a whirl, whirlwind of social media training all over the world, country and all of those things. But it really forced us to be different than we were yet better. Well, let's talk about that social media training too, because that was one of the avenues that we we used know, to fund this. We used to fund mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. so much so that we would be hired to go speak somewhere, and our volunteers would come with us, unpaid volunteering. Like, can we sit in the back because we just want to listen you. to you again? And by the way, we'll sell CDs or we'll do the sign-up list if you need us to register people for classes or. Like anything that you need, I can't even, I can't even put into words how many people there always were saying, "How can I help?" Without us really asking, but saying, "Hey guys, this is what we're looking to do, we're trying to do," and then people say, "Well, oh, what help. can I do? What can I do? How can I support you in that?" Yeah. That was pretty magical. Yeah. And I'm trying to reflect on why, and I know that they knew that they could call on us for anything. They knew that we were willing to help them, and did we? I mean, I guess we did, but they sure helped us. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure that each one of them got something in return in some way. I don't know well, what or how. Well, it was how. such a powerful family unit that two people that were Insights enthusiasts didn't have to have ever met before. And if they were out in public and they ran into each other and it's like, I'm an enthusiast, well, I'm an enthusiast, instant bond yeah. right there. That also happened quite a bit because we had meetings happening on Mondays and Fridays and we didn't always have the, the same, same people. people. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a, a flow and once two people recognize well, we're both enthusiasts, it's like, you know, that was flashing was that their, their member of mm -hmm. the family card mm -hmm. and it just mm -hmm. made them instant buddies. Well, you know, that was that was such a magical time 
because of that, because of creating that. And then when when we had the whole pool shake-up thing, the, the meeting where the guy said, well, if you're so good at the social media stuff, why don't you use it for the pool company? And, and I remember me mumbling to the guy next to me that because I'm kind of burned out and I'm just tired of it, blah, 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 blah. But that really sparked for me. I know that was the spark for me to say, hmm. And I stewed on it for a while. And I didn't tell you for a long time that that, that had really gotten under my skin a little bit because I was struggling through that period of time of, am I a pool guy? Or is it okay for me to be something else? Is it okay for me to have a different legacy? Because I think you're right. I was searching for something because the pool business was hurting me so bad because it had it had it had worked its way on me so much that I, I, I didn't love it anymore. So I remember in that meeting in particular when he said that, he said, Well, if you're so effing good at this social media stuff, why don't you use it for your pool company? And and knowing that the pool company hurt so much and the the history that we had, had just made it feel like I didn't want to do it anymore, but I know that was that was sort of a, a turning point for me, a, a a slap in the face almost to wake up, and then the wake up process was what if we could build a company that was different than any company we'd ever had before? What if it could look different and be different and act different, and we could do what we love, and we could be excited about it every day, and we could have it be about family and about relationships and all of those things. And, and that was really that, that insights education now being fruitful in a company. By, it was no longer a community, now right, it was a business. Because the Insights Clubhouse, as much as we had all these volunteers and we did the social media training to make money, it alone, as far as a co-working facility goes, was not a <clears throat> huge moneymaker. It was a huge non-profit project yes. almost that it was an you and I did. It was an expensive education for us yeah. because it in, we invested everything that we had in it but we the, the net result was we learned. We learned and we're able to That same thing today with that. the understanding of what co-working is would be a different thing. It yeah. was like at that time we were pushing a boulder up a hill. Yeah. No one knew what co-working was that. Yeah. Now Every metropolis has, has co-working facilities well, because it makes sense. Well, we also chose the very populated city of Brighton. Sure, versus downtown Detroit or yeah. somewhere where you're going to have a lot of startups. Location. Yeah, location means everything. Although, although you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I, I wouldn't trade it either because that was the education. That's that was our that was our playground of education to really understand people, understand psychology, certainly understand the internet and social media because. Without that training, without that, how can we build community and build tribe of people and have met the amazing people that we met? I don't think that that would have translated into what the pool company has been without having that experience. Yeah. And that knowing all of that allowed us to then say, okay, but we're really good at pools. We like this other stuff, but why don't we take what we've learned there that we well, love about really it and let's do, let's, let's do it with something that we really love to do or are, are really good at. Didn't love to do it but are really good at it, and let's find a way to love it. And that's what we see in the pool company today, and, and having been able to build that. Then, on top of it, build it with family. Okay, so let's, let's wrap this into a nice, tidy bow, and let's talk about if there is somebody who currently works in a family business or a company where people are not related, how can this environment be created and I would say first 
there's got to be a willingness from people that have the ability to make the change within the company. There has to be a, a desire to kind of change things. And we still, even with the pool company, you know, it ebbs and flows. And you could look at us and say all the time it's super. But we still have like those adjustments that need to be made and luckily we're steering the ship. Mm -hmm. So we know that when things aren't going as smoothly as they could or we're not as like tight-knit as we could it. be, mm -hmm. we pull people together and we try to draw out of them through understanding the way that they think and what their strong suits are. We then try to pull everybody together and kind of facilitate that spark again. So I think I would say a, a good step is for somebody who's got the ability to steer the ship to be able to um, kind of instigate the spark and kind of draw that in and pull that out from people. Yeah, I, I think the challenge without having buy-in from a group of people is going to be tough, but I think it's possible. But I if think you have buy-in from at least one yeah, person, yeah, so one person with an idea, one person with buy-in, mm -hmm. that can start the mm -hmm. process. Yeah, because once, once you have a little bit of that magic happening and it, it requires some work. It requires staying positive when it doesn't feel good to be positive. It requires rechecking your thinking and not getting too thin-skinned about things. It requires a lot of because if it's not your normal mode, someone's going to try to whack you. Someone's going to try to knock you down and knock you down and knock you down and that's okay. You just got to pick yourself back up. And I think what happened for us was we had we had the dual stool where there was you and there was me. And when someone knocked me down, you propped me back up. Or when someone knocked you down, I propped you back up. And, and that really helped because we had two people. That's also where the support community comes in, which I think is another thing. If you're trying to do this at a company, call on us or call on a buddy because that's what part of the magic of Insights was. Everybody came there, got their dose of awesomeness, went back out to their world, and then implemented, like to a small degree, some of the changes. Mm -hmm. And if somebody on the outside looked at them and said, you're crazy, they'd call one of the insights people. And we'd say, yes, and you are, keep going. we'd remind mm -hmm. them that, yeah, you are, but it's okay. Yeah, so I think that, that buddy system as well of like-minded awesomeness is something mm -hmm. to seek out and foster. And we always train people to have that, that, um, that buddy. So if you're going into an event, have someone there that you can you can decompress afterwards. You could have the discussion, what did you learn, what did I learn? And, and all of the events and the functions we went to became more valuable because we discussed them. Mm -hmm. If you go into an event on your own and you see a certain thing, you don't, you might like it or not like it, but if there's someone else that sees something different and it opens dialogue and discussion, it made it, it more of a rich event. So everything is that way. Everything that we do and everything that we approach is no longer about any one person anymore. Our company is not driven by any one person. It's how can two people see something and agree to make it work or how can an event happen and we each see it different and then discuss it and make it better or how could we do things different. And it's that open communication part and that understanding that we gained through dealing with people, through helping people through some pretty tough times. Because as I look back, those were some tough years for a lot of people in the economy and lots of people lost their jobs and had no idea what to do in the future. And, and you know, they were too old to, the society said they were too old to get jobs again or, you know, things were changing so rapidly that people were seeking. And we became really good at propping them up and helping them find their way. And the net result was it helped us find our way. Absolutely. Yeah.
So that's that's so, kind of it, isn't so it? That's, that's sort wrapping of, it up in a bow. That, that, that's sort of that story of how do you create community and how do you take family or non-family together is over and over and over, over again. Over and over and over. But you Anything know Anything it takes. And it and it requires the it, why. It, yeah, it There's really no does. Why. We we really believed in a cause. We didn't even know. I don't think what it was. We didn't know what the cause. We didn't was know what the cause was, but we believed so strongly in let's help others because we know if we help others, we help ourselves and. And when you help others heal, you heal yourself. And when you, all of those different things. And, and, and it, it was all roses and cherries. But at the same time, there were some pretty tough times in all of that. And yet the net result, I know for me, speaking purely for me, it made me be a better person in everything I do. And Absolutely. In communication, in my, my being, in who I am, and being authentically me, and shedding all of those masks that we tend to wear when we go out in the public and we we're no longer who we are because now we're amongst these people we have to act this way and we have to act that way and that really tore a lot of that down because for me it was easy to hide behind a mask it's not that easy to be authentically you until you really learn to be authentically you and then it's easy but most people never really learn that because they're being pushed around by society's boxes and yet that whole Education and, and I say that that was my second college education for sure, because it was a whole investment in me becoming the better version of me. And I'm sure you would you would yeah. mirror that as well and say that was your second college education, being, you know, that it, it helped you become the better you. But the net result is then we can help each other and help those around us and help people grow who and what they are and grow their sphere of influence and, and become better people and be more authentic. And I think that's what we see now is we're very authentic. Our, our, our whole company is authentic. We want people to be truly themselves and express themselves on the job and not be, you know, little minions, little mini-me's. We want them to be little mini-thems yeah. so they can just be their own person and be the childlike part of their personality because that's the fun that's part. That's where stuff Yeah, we, where the magic is. The, the magic is, is being the child like you, not being the all-important adult you who's really kind of boring and stodgy, but being that uh, that child part of you. And we try to bring that out in everybody because I want to bring that out in me and you want to bring that out in you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that, if we could boil it down into a period of time, that's kind of how we That's the magic awesome. It is, it is, for sure. So thanks for joining us. And we will see you on the next episode of whatever it will be. Yep.